The last time he was here, I think, was 2018. So it's been a few years, and of course, lots has changed in the world and everything here in America and all this stuff, but it's good to have him. Later this afternoon, he's got to travel, and they'll be going to another church to update and present and all that stuff there, but we are grateful for our missionaries. Amen? Uh, missionaries go and do what God has called them to do to places that you and I cannot go, and in many cases would not go, will not go. Uh, but we want to thank God for them, that we can support them, and we are thankful that they're with us here this morning. And then uh, a little while later, too, his son is going to sing for us as well uh, with Brother Tony. They're going to do a dueling banjos, I think. But No, I'm just kidding, but, but it'll be good. It's always a treat to have that. And so... This morning, uh, that is sort of our first announcement that we've got Brother Manny with us here and his family. And so make sure before you leave, I know that they've got to hit the road and you've got your stuff to do too, but make sure you stop by. They'll be in the back after church. Shake their hands. Let them know you love them and appreciate them and pray for them. Uh, if there's anything that missionaries need, they need our prayers. We believe in the power of prayer here, so we want to lift them up. Um, I want to remind you as well, a few things sort of heading into March. This is the last Sunday in February, by the way. Can y'all believe it? I mean, we're halfway through the year, it seems like. May as well be. Um, but Sunday, March the 12th, uh, starts daylight savings time. So spring those clock for. Who's ready for spring? A few of you. All right. Good. Y'all can come cut my grass. All right. <laughs> now, spring's coming, and it'll be good. Once spring springs, I think a lot of this sickness and stuff will, will get out of town, and uh, we can get on to life. But we want to remember as well, March the 19th, we'll be having a Vacation Bible School interest meeting, all right? Uh, last year we had a great BBS, uh, we're looking forward to another great one this year, but uh, with this one we want to have our initial meeting, get you signed up for the different spots, want to kind of introduce this year's theme and all that stuff to you, we want to start praying for it now. It is not too soon to pray for Vacation Bible School, so start to see and ask the Lord how you can help out with it as well. And then a reminder... We're going to be having um, some things in March uh, just to kind of prepare ourselves for revival. And so stay tuned for all that. We're going to be having Spring Revival March the 26th through the 29th. We've got a different speaker each night. So I'm looking forward to the variety. I know each one of these men personally. They've impacted my ministry and my life. I care for them, love them to death. Grateful for each one of them to come and to share God's Word. And so um, next week we'll have out the flyers and all that stuff for you, for your refrigerator, and then for you to give to somebody else for their refrigerator, all right? Because uh, we want to invite folks out. We want to be praying for God to move amongst us. We want, we want revival. We need revival. We often talk much about revival, but we need real revival that changes our hearts individually first. And we need to be willing to receive it. We need to be willing to, to be corrected by the Lord and by His Word. And ultimately, that as well is why we're here this morning. But I want to give you this, <clears throat> this verse, well, these verses and uh, then I'm going to pray, and Brother Manny's going to come, and we're going to have our first part of worship service, and we get to praise God along with Brother Manny with what God is doing, all right? I want you to know that today is not just about preaching, that, that's a part of it, but today we all get to collectively gather and worship, to sing together, to hear the Word together, to celebrate God's work together, and so I'm thankful for that. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him, talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. After Brother Manny comes and we can rejoice with him about the work of God and, and the marvelous work of God, the wondrous works of God, 
that's happening all throughout the world and through our brother's ministry, we could also then sing about the wondrous work of God and praise our God together that we might glory in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Today, do you seek the Lord? If so, take heart, rejoice, and let's praise the Lord together. Uh, let's pray, and then Brother Manny's going to come, and he'll be using the pulpit mic, and he'll get to share uh, what God is doing. Lord, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that we can gather, we can worship you and praise you. Lord, we can glory in your name. I pray, God, that you would allow us this morning to be attentive to our brother, that not just our, our ears, but our hearts, God, that we would see not just a man here, but that we would see what you were doing through this man and his family and his ministry. We would see your wondrous works, that we would sing about it. We would praise you and glorify your name for it. God, that we would sing and worship you in spirit and in truth today, that our hearts would be prepared for the preaching of your word. God, that we would worship you every moment today. Lord, that every moment of our life would be a time of worship and praise, of gratitude, God, for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I pray if there's one today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would uh, allow them to hear the gospel clearly, that they would hear it with conviction, with power, and that the Spirit would draw them to Christ, that they would be born again. Today, if there's one who's struggling with sin, if there's one who's just discouraged today, I pray, God, that you would meet their need, that you would guide them, protect them, help our hearts today, Lord, to be turned to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and Lord, we look forward now to just being able to praise you in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all make Brother Manny welcome as he comes uh, to present. Pastor, for allowing us to come. Um, my name is Brother Manny Almagas. My wife is with me, Sister Loida. Our eldest son, Kenneth, he just turned 18. And then uh, our youngest is Carl. He just uh, turned 9 uh, last uh, January. Uh, we came here in the States uh, last uh, November 17. And we're going home uh, a few weeks uh, from today uh, on March 14. We are heading back to the Philippines. Uh, we thought that we're not able to travel again because of the pandemic. When pandemic hit the Philippines in uh, early uh, uh, March of 2020, um, the government was really uh, not prepared for it. The people, uh, most uh, of, of us are not prepared for it. But when the government announced that we are uh, quarantined for a period of time, they are not allow us to go out in our houses. All, all the families are shut down. Nobody goes out for a period of time. Uh, the groceries are closed. Drug stores are closed. Only uh, health personnels are able to go out. And um, the, the government tried to uh, help out the people by giving $25 for each families but uh, that are, are not um, sufficient for a month uh, of supply. But by the, the grace of God through churches uh, like Victory Way Baptist Church that prayed for us, help us out. Uh, what we received, we try to buy groceries for our people because many people are not able to go to work. A lot of businesses, factories are shut down. A lot of... Uh, uh, even uh, uh, big uh, businesses are closed down because of the pandemic and even uh, bankruptcy because of the effect 
of the pandemic in the Philippines. And many, many of our people lost their jobs. They're not able to go to work, even farmers, even fishermen. So we buy groceries for them. We buy sack of rice for them. So we try as much as we can to share what we have. And by the grace of God, we're able to survive the uh, first part of the pandemic. But throughout the Philippines, there are recorded of 500,000 deaths of uh, COVID and many are not uh, uh, reported because they, are, they have no access to hospitalization. When a person died during that time, they were cremated. They were, uh, the family will not see them. They will go straight to cemetery. Even the hospital, people are not allowed to come in. Even you are a husband or a wife of people that died. And uh, it's really a terrible time. Uh, we have some pastor friend that died that we never see again uh, one day in heaven. But uh, during the time of that, many families mourn on their deaths that they did not see their family members. Uh, one of our fellow pastors that passed away are uh, COVID positive and uh, he was a military man before. So he was not cremated, but his family are not allowed to see him at all. And after death in the hospital, he was straight to the cemetery and get buried. And um, the, the, the churches also are greatly affected. We do online services. Uh, our people, much of them don't have access in the internet. And I try to visit them once in a while that I am allowed to go out because I'm a missionary. I try to get a pass uh, just to visit the people. And uh, in last year, everything is coming back. Uh, the churches are allowed to meet again. We met our kids uh, in the church and they are so excited. A lot of people go, goes back to the church now. And since we've been a missionary in 2003, and uh, by the grace of God, we started four different churches. We, uh, uh, God uh, provided the land, the property, the building, and we train our own people also. And many of our local pastors that took over the work now are being uh, trained uh, as a national local pastor throughout the ministry. And we thank the Lord because the Lord raise men that are surrendered uh, to the ministry. So please do pray for us as we try to continue our work. We resume our feeding ministry for kids. We are excited for our vacation Bible school this summer. We are excited to start a new work, which is just um, an hour away from our current village church. And this city is just outside of Clark Air Base, if you knew uh, the two bases in the Philippines before, that is the Subic Bay and Clark Air Base. And outside Clark Air Base, there's a great city named Mabalakat City, a very uh, productive city right now, becoming the central of economy in that uh, area of the Philippines. But the prostitution, even daytime, is so prominent. Drug addiction, crime rate is so high. But a lot of people from provinces transfer to that town because of trying to find jobs. So we pray that 
if the Lord allow us, we're going to start a new mission work on that place. Just before we left the Philippines, we sur surveyed the area. And just to rent a commercial space, it will cost us $5,000 a month. So please do pray for us as we try to find new partners in the ministry. We lost 40% uh, of our support during uh, the time of the pandemic. Even we are here in this stage right now, we lost two of our supporters because they're not able to continue because of financial difficulties. So if there are families, if there are uh, members that are able to support us $25 a month, we are praying that God will give us new partners. And also we have a need to buy a church band so that we could transport our people and bring them to the new city that we're going to start the new mission work so that they could help us soul winning, visitation, and house-to-house -house Bible study. But uh, before we left, we just sold our car just to buy the plane ticket. For the four of us, it cost us $7,500 to fly. And a lot of documents needs to be provided. So please do pray for us. We're trying to raise $20,000. If there are just 20 individuals or churches that will give us one-time gift of $1,000, we can be able to buy a church band that we can use for uh, the new mission work. Please do pray for my family as we travel back in the Philippines this coming March 14. Uh, it's really a, a great challenge for us, but we praise the Lord for partners like you in the ministry that continue to pray for us, that continue to support us, and we pray that we will continue to partner and reach beyond what we can through the grace of God. Philippines now has 100 million in population and counting. And 85% of that population are still devoted Roman Catholics. So there's a lot of people that needs the gospel. There's a, a lot of land that needs to be covered. And we pray that God, before he returns, that we can share more uh, uh, Filipinos that will be saved through the grace of God. Thank you so much. God bless you. And thank you for partnering with us. Praise the Lord and blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank our missionary for sharing with us his ministry and uh, what a blessing it was to hear some things and then uh, if it's finances, it needs prayer on it there. So we appreciate you. If you're able, please stand. We will start our singing service and worship in song. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I'll say that again. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Hymn number 311. John 442 tells us, And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior.
place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a song as we have come into his house hymn number 224 bible tells us in psalm 122 1 which is a song of degrees of david i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord and that's where we are today god's house the house of the lord That's our next song, Give Thanks, uh, hymn number 170. Psalm 126.3 tells us that the Lord hath done great things, and amen to that. For us, and amen to that, whereof we are glad. We should always be glad and give thanks. Give thanks. 
our greeting time so remain standing and if you desire uh, you can stay seated or you can move around and shake hands just make everyone feel welcome see a few new faces this morning we're glad to have you all so move around shake hands share a smile give a hug if appropriate As we find our way back to our seat this morning, we got a couple things. First off, Mr. Tony's going to come sing for us just a moment. And then our brother's going to come and his son's going to come and sing for us. Looking forward to that. So Tony's the warm-up back today. No, no. I know they're both singing for the Lord. Grateful, but uh, you all can be seated. We thank you guys so much. Uh, First off, want to call a quick business meeting. Is that all right? All right. Right now, we support our brother at $50 a month. I'm proposing that we raise that to $100 a month. Do I have a motion? 
Do I have a second? All in favor? All right, brother. We're going to raise you to 100 a month. I'm going to present something else, and this it doesn't matter if you say it or not. Next three weeks, next three weeks, we're going to take up love offering for our brother. If you want to help out with his van, here's what you need to do. You need to write down on an envelope, Brother Manny Almavez van or missionary van. All right, the next three weeks, starting today, okay? We want to help out our brother as much as we can, all right? That sound good? All right. And let's pray for our brother. How about that? Brother Tony, you come, you sing. Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. This is a this is a song that is a real special to me. It was very instrumental in my conversion. Um, we've all heard it. It's a there is a fount, and I remember when the Lord was uh, laying the conviction on my heart to get saved. He uh, he brought the song to my attention. It's uh, the first verse says. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. That's Christ's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. And I thought, what a thought that would be. I had so much guilty stains, had guilt and shame. And just for that to be blotted out by the blood of Christ, we, uh, we must never forget the cross and the, the great sacrifice. Our sin is great, but his grace is greater. Amen. Amen. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains.
shall be till I die and shall be till I die and shall be till I die redeeming love have been my fate and shall be till silent in the grave and in a nobler sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save I'll sing thy power to save I'll sing thy power to save redeem has been my faith and shall be till I die. Y'all sing that first verse with me. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty Champing robe in one. His height exceeds the heaven, his weight outweighs the world. His reach reaches everywhere, his age is evermore. He is higher than the highest, greater than. 
Amen. Thank you, Tony, and thank you, Mr. Missioner. I didn't forget your name, Aaron, but isn't God something? He sent somebody here this morning from the other side of the world to sing to his sheep, to his flock. God's good, ain't he? Thank y'all. And sent the missionary man to speak to us and tell us about his work over there. So we appreciate all that. If you would, go with me to the Lord in prayer as, as we thank him for all his many blessings. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings, your daily benefits. Thank you for, Lord, just sharing with us, Lord, today, things that's happening over in the Philippines. Uh, for sharing with us, Lord, a song that come from the Philippines. Lord, we praise you for your goodness. Lord, you're a good God a great God, a holy God, a righteous God, a, an amazing God, the only true and living God. And we thank you, we praise you for all that you are and the privilege to know you. Lord, we ask you to continue to bless and remain the service. Bless our pastor as he speaks. Use him as your mouthpiece this morning. Give him liberty. Lord, give him boldness. Give him wisdom. Give him clarity of thought and speech as he preaches your word this morning. Lord, help us to listen, and listen good, and be obedient, Lord, to your word, Lord, this, this day and every day, and Lord, we'll be faithful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for everything you do, and Lord, speak to that heart here today that may be lost and without Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation, for it's in Christ's name we pray, and for his sake we pray, amen. If you're able, we'll stand one more time. 
And we'll sing some more praises to, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our next song is Behold Our God, one that I love singing because it's such a great message in it. Hebrew 1.8 but says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Behold our God. Who has filled the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Nothing can compare. Come. 
Amen. What a morning, what worship, and a grateful for our brother to be here, and as well for the song his son had, and what, what a wonderful testimony it is. We serve a God who is undisputed, amen? We serve a God who is unchallenged, there is no rival, there's no equal. Who is like our God? As we've just sung this morning, who has told him what to do? Who is measured up to his strength or his power or his might or his wisdom or his knowledge or his understanding or his plans? He is the God, the God of all things, the God of creation. He is a God who we've come to worship today. And we can continue in worship today as we hear the Word of God. Take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 today. Psalm 139, we're going to be looking at verses 1-6 through today. Psalmist here, a psalm of David, we're not sure exactly the time, but nevertheless, this psalm would have been one of great comfort for him, and it is for you and I today if we see this. As we've been continuing our God Is series, looking at as we are responding to God's revealing, we've been seeing God reveals Himself to us by His grace, who He is, what He's like, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. And as well that now we get to respond freely by faith and can partake of the blessing of knowing God, trusting God, walking with God, that we can grow in a relationship with this God who has created all things and who has sent His Son to die for us, the one of which we worship today that we sung of earlier and that we've heard about His grace this morning. And and now this morning as we look in Psalm 139, we're going to see in these six verses Another revelation that God gives to us that that gives us just a glimpse behind the curtain, if you will, about who He is. And one day we shall know this God perfectly, fully, finally, and completely when we see Him face to face. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to You. We want to thank You that we can worship You today and that we can continue to worship You now as Your Word is preached. I pray, O oh Lord God, that it would not be me that preaches or my thoughts or my opinions, but God, it would be You that gives Yourself to Your people, that You would reveal Yourself to us today, that You would show us Christ today, that we would respond by faith and trust You at Your Word, that we would see that You are the all-knowing God that we can trust at all times, all places, and all things. God, help our hearts today. Draw us to Christ. Lord, if there's one who does not know You as Savior, I pray that they would be born again today. God, bring conviction today. Bring help today. Bring comfort today. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Christian life is one of continual and consecrated responding by faith to God's revealing of His grace. It is God's grace. He does not need to give us anything. We do not deserve anything from God in the first place. To think you deserve anything from God is to not understand God. It's not to understand yourself either. We do not understand the depth of our sinfulness. God does not need to do anything for it. He's not required, but He does so by His grace. 
every moment this morning has been of grace. Every moment this afternoon will be of His grace. Every moment of your life is of grace. Everything is revealed. Everything that we know about God is given by His grace. You've never learned anything on your own that grace has not revealed. The only reason why we see anything in our Christian life responded to it is because we must trust by faith in who God is and how He's revealed Himself to us that we can know this God. God's grace thus far in this series has revealed to us that God is unending. He's unchanging. Ultimately, He is God. There is no other. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is love. He is life. He is light. Last week, we saw that He is omnipotent. The One who has all power. Today, by God's grace, we will see that God is omniscient. Omni being all, the shint part, knowledge. God has all knowledge. Who has numbered every grain of sand? We just sang that. Did you notice the way in which the the writer of that hymn wrote? All of these questions of which you and I already know the answer to in our heart. No one, no one, no one but God. When we see God revealed to us by His grace, it draws us now to put our faith in Him and to cry out to Him and to trust Him and to praise Him. And when we see this psalm in these six verses, it calls us to do the very same thing. Because this is a God, and the only God, who knows all things. Before we get too deep this morning, I want you to know, God knows every thought you're thinking right now. He knows the motivation of your heart this morning. He knows every dollar you've ever given, every prayer you've ever prayed, every act of service you've ever offered to Him, and whether or not it would be wood, hay, or stubble. And He knew all that before you did it. He knew all that before He even made this world. God knows all things. Who can teach Him? None can teach Him. I've got nothing to offer God except to trust Him. It is God who takes our life and uses it for His glory. God is the possessor of all knowledge at all times and all things. There is no knowledge without the omniscient knowledge of God. I would know nothing if God was not omniscient. It is God who dispenses knowledge. It is God who dispenses wisdom. It is God who has given us anything that we know today about Him. It's because He gave it. Let's think about this today. I've got something in my pocket. Do you all know what it is? Now I've got it in my hand. Now do you know what it is? God does. That's right. All right, you guys got the message already. Are you telling me to get down already? Is that what? <laughs> You've got them. God does. God knows. That's right. Here's what I got in my hand. I got a quarter. All right? I... It's right there. Look at that. It wasn't there before. Voila! Look at that. Someone tell me the year on it. Sure. No, not quite. As a matter of fact, you don't know, do you? Everyone out here is less than 100 feet from me. You know and you can see. I've got a coin. Some of you might not even know that it is a quarter because it's so far back. But I know this, right? I can look at this and I can tell you who's on it. You might be able to do that already yourself. But I can tell you, and I'm the only one right now that can tell you what date is on it, if there's a state or not on it. Can you tell me that? You might be able to. The quarter came from Cammie. Don't listen to her. I didn't have a quarter on my own, y'all. That tells y'all, right? But this shows that our knowledge is it's limited, isn't it? And truthfully, this morning, I 
could not rest assured that all of you knew what kind of coin I had or even what it looked like, all the ridges on it, the years on it, the state on it, which the state on it, by the way, was Minnesota. Anybody guess that one? Anybody could? You said you could have won a quarter. All right. The only way I could tell you this is if I went to each one of you and I showed you this quarter and you held it in your hand. Right now you got to, you don't know, you're limited, aren't you? And if I kept it in my hand, you'd still be limited. If I didn't tell you all these things about this quarter, you would still be incredibly limited. You still would probably wouldn't even think that I had anything in my pocket, let alone in my hand. Our knowledge is nothing. Science says that we use less than 10% of our brain. I think most of us use less than that. I do. I know this though, we are finite in our knowledge. Even an expert compared to God in any subject is not an expert. Matter of fact, I like to say this, we have people, whether it's in theological circles or in worldly circles that say, well, they are an expert on... No, they are not. There is no such thing. There is one expert and His name is God. His knowledge is not limited. There is nothing that can be hidden from His eyes or from His knowledge. Now, this is something that for you and I right now in this moment should bring two things, and that's going to be the goal today. It should bring about conviction. God knows my heart. I know my heart and it's not good. My heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only the Lord God can see my wicked heart and yet still look past my wicked heart and see the blood of Christ applied to it. And now see Christ's righteousness applied to my account. Not by anything that my heart ever did. Not by anything my mind ever did. Not by anything my hands ever did. But by the the very work of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Our knowledge is not like God. Isaiah 55 tells us this. I've got a bunch of Scriptures today. You don't have to turn with them all. I'll do it for you for free, okay? Isaiah 55 tells us this. God is speaking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and everything in between and he knew it before he even said let there be light god has known and does know and still knows and that means that god not only knows in a conviction way my heart my downfalls my trials my my sinfulness but he also brings comfort that i know that god knows and because god knows god cares Do you know that God knows today everything that you're going through, everything that you think, everything that you care about, everything that you want to care about, everything that you struggle with? God knows and sees it more perfectly and completely than you do. We're not even experts about our own self. We're not as self-aware as we ought to be. We're not experts about our our spouses. They're, They're experts about us, right? No one is all-knowing except for God. We serve an omniscient God who is all-knowing. Today, in verses 1-5, through we're going to see a couple things. And through 1-6, through we're going to see ultimately this. First of all, that God's 
omniscient knowledge is infinite. The very word itself, all knowledge, gives the immediate idea and understanding that it is infinite. It keeps going and going and going because God's knowledge never had a beginning. You and I got to a place where we learn consecutively. This is why our, our school system and any educational system, it progressively is supposed to get harder and harder. Why? Because you're learning and learning more and more. You have to build a foundation. God never had to build a foundation of knowledge. God never had to go and, and do hooked on phonics. God never had to go to kindergarten. He never had to fail the first grade and go back and do it again. I didn't do that, by the way. But I'm just saying, for example, God never had to go to school. God never had to learn. He has known all things, and all things that are known are known to Him perfectly and completely. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? It should bring us great joy to know that we serve a God who does know all things because that means He can sympathize with me in all things. He knows what I'm going through long before I ever go through it. He knows the outcome. He knows the provision that will be provided. He knows the, the work that will be done through it. He knows the lesson that He's teaching us in everything because it's He who has orchestrated these things. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Notice the way that this psalm begins. O oh Lord, he is the Lord. He is the infinite God that we've talked about already who is unending and unchanging, who is God, who is sovereign, holy, and love, and life, and light, and omnipotent, all-powerful. He is God. He is the Lord. Here David praises and recognizes the God who is infinite in knowledge. And if anybody should have been afraid of that, it should have been David, but David found it to be a comfort. David was a man who sinned greatly, didn't he? And yet God knew him and still said after the fact that he was a man after his own heart. That brings me comfort. I don't know about you. God knows my rising. He knows my downfalls. He knows my faithfulness. And He knows my faithlessness. And there's much more of that at times. God knows and yet he remains unfeigned and unchanged in His love for me and His desire to use me and His desire to use you and His love for you. God knows you. He knows all things. The issue is, David, like you and I, had a choice to make. He could trust in his knowledge. David had learned some things in his life. You and I might have learned some things. And if we think that we've learned some things about God outside of God showing it to us, then we are now living in what God would call pride. A puffed up, artificial knowledge about a God that we don't really know. When we trust in our knowledge, we are claiming that we are like God, that knowledge was in ourselves. We know nothing without God. This is why I need God to be omniscient, because if He's not, He's not God. Just as God is infinite without beginning or end, so are all of His attributes, including His knowledge. God's knowledge is not limited by anyone or anything. There's been nothing in my life that I have ever done or even thought to do that has tripped up God. There is nothing in your life that you have ever done or thought or even thought about and then not done that has ever tripped up God and Him going, oh, let me flip through my playbook here and figure out things. No, God knows. That's what we're going to see today. If He is infinite and He is, then don't you think that He knows all about the not infinite, the temporary, absolutely. Because He's made every bit of it. He knows every bit of it. God knows every piece of dirt out of here. He knows every piece of dirt on the carpet. He knows every 
piece of lint in your pocket. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every, every time that one of your brain cells fires up. He knows every molecule of oxygen that you will breathe in. He knows everything about you and about His creation. That's our God. God's knowledge was never learned or limited, nor can it be, nor will it be. He possessed and has possessed all knowledge for all time. He knows all things as they are. You and I know in part. You and I know from our perspective. God knows things as they really are. This is why you and I have got to try to stop figuring things out sometimes. You know, sometimes you and I, we think too much. And sometimes we don't think at all. There's a happy medium in there where we trust that God knows. And here's our problem, is that when we start thinking too much, we start thinking that we know something. And when I start thinking that I know something, that's where I find out I don't really know nothing at all. But what I can know and trust is that God knows all things. And He knows them as they are. He knows them as they could be. And He knows them even better as they should be. And He's making all things right. And He sees through all of this and yet still declares that He desires to use us. God does not learn. God does not wonder. God does not forget anything that He knows and He knows all things. You can ask my wife. I forget things a lot. So do you. It's alright. We can write it down. We can make a an alarm. We can make all sorts of things and we still forget. We can walk into a room and forget why we walked in that room. Lots of amens on that one. God has never forgotten a thing. God will never learn a thing. God will never be awestruck by anything. You and I can't help it. We walk out to the night sky and we see and we're brought to wonder and not so much of the creation, but of the Creator, that He knows every star that we see and the hundreds of billions times hundreds of billions of ones that we will never see nor could ever see. God knows each one and He calls them by name. One author who wrote about the attributes of God put it this way, God is omniscient. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures, past, present, future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. Nothing escapes the knowledge of God. God knew what you had for breakfast, or if you didn't have breakfast. He knew what you might have had for breakfast, and He knew every possibility all the way down through the line. God knows all things. Therefore, I can trust Him from everything from my breakfast to when I go to sleep at night and everything else in between because He is God and all-knowing. And because I'm not, I better trust in Him because only He knows what's ahead. Only He knows what lies ahead. Only He knows what's coming. Only He knows. Only He knows. So many of us try to get through tragedies in life and difficulties in life by our own knowledge, by our own faith. I want you to know both of those things will falter and fail. We need to trust in something that's sturdy, something that's stable. And there is nothing more sturdy and stable than the God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient, all-knowing. The Scripture declares the infinite omniscience of God. In Psalm 147, 
Uh, verse 5, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Case in point. Isaiah tells us this. Isaiah 46 tells us this about God. In verses 9 through 11, God is speaking. He says, remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. In case we're wondering, that verse is pretty clear. He's God, there is not any others. And there's none like Him. That means He's omniscient. I'm not. Declaring the ending, excuse me, declaring the end from the beginning. His knowledge is so great that He has declared by His knowledge the end from the beginning and everything in between. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And He does so by His infinite gracious knowledge to bring about our good and to declare and display His glory. Even says, Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. That's the omniscience, the all-knowing, the all-power, the almightiness of God. Furthermore, in Acts chapter 15, there at the council of Jerusalem, they're dealing with some heavy issues. And here it says in verse 17 and 18, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. God knew everything He would ever do before He made the world. God knew everything you would ever do before He made the world. And He loves me and He loves you still just the same knowing every wicked thing I would ever do. He would instead punish Jesus Christ, His own Son, instead of me. He would allow me to be able to, to know Him by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to have my, my sins removed and covered that I might be able to walk in fellowship in my finite mind and in my finite flesh that I can one day see the infinite God for all of eternity. That's forever and forever. That's where I'm going. That's what we praise God for. God is all-knowing. 1 John 3 tells us this. 1 John 3.20 For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. It's very simple. God knows all things. And the comfort of 1 John 3 here is that when my heart deceives me, when my heart brings accusations against me, when my heart leads me astray, when my heart uh, loses its assurance, when my heart begins to fail and my heart is, is downcast and downtrodden, God is greater than my heart. And He knows all things. I love, as good old Adrian Rogers put it, and no one quite put it like he did, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Secondly, we find that God's omniscient knowledge is intimate. We've seen its vastness. We've seen its providence at work in its infant. How it's just infinite. It goes and goes and goes. It's never not been. But we find that the, that the infinite knowledge of God is as well intimate to our very hearts. God cares about you today. 
dear soul in this room, God cares about you because He knows you. Even as this chapter tells us that He formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. It is God who created you. It is God who knows you better than yourself, better than your mother could ever know you, better than your spouse could ever know you, better than the government could ever know you, better than anyone could ever know you. God knows you inside and out. Every single chromosome in your body, every every flake of skin that falls off, God knows. He knows you. He's fashioned you and formed you. God's knowledge is not just high and lofty, but it is as well as low as I can ever get. There is not a place that I can outrun God's hand or His eyes or His knowledge. Our knowledge is limited. That's why as young kids, we play hide-and-go-seek. We like the adventure of trying to find something that we don't know yet. This is why we like to, to learn things, because it invigorates our minds and our hearts. Oh, I learned something. I learned something. God never has to have that. He knows and sees the very depths. Notice in this passage, David writes, he says, you searched me. It's that you sought me out. You've gone through with a fine-tooth comb. You know everything about me. You've known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. That means when I'm down, when I'm up. When I'm at rest, when I'm at work. He knows. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God knows your very thought. God knows every word, every thought, even before you think it. And to you and I, it's unthinkable to think that because we don't think that hard, do we? But God knows your very thoughts. I will tell you, dear Christian, the place where you sin the most is not with your hands. It is with your mind and your heart. And God sees it. There is no escaping that. That brings conviction. But yet at the very same time, if you are walking in the right as He is in the right, if you're walking in the light as He is in the light, then there is great comfort in knowing that I can trust that God knows my heart even when others bring accusation against me. So say what you want. God knows. Let others say what they want. God knows. God knows your thoughts, your hearts, your motivations. You don't need somebody else to tell you about it. Because they don't know nothing. And God knows their thoughts, their hearts, and their motivations too anyways. And that should bring them to a place of conviction and comfort. What we find is that David here is bringing about this continued contrast as we've seen the past few weeks between the the false pagan gods and idols and and between our God, the God of the Bible, the the God of creation. Pagan gods and idols were made with hands, formed and fashioned by the hands of men. How foolish it is to worship something that you've created, and yet how often we do. They weren't omni-anything. They had a God who knew this, a God who knew that, a God who knew this, and a God who knew that. But they did not have a God who knew all things, who controlled all things, who was possessing all power over all things, who knew things both high and low and in between. We serve a God who does. We serve a God who knows all. Furthermore, the pagan gods, they were viewed as so far off. There was no relationship between them and those that worshipped them. You and I, though we have a God who is high and lofty, yet is near to the brokenhearted and contrite, to those who come to Him by faith, 
I might not know all that there is to know. I might not know all that God knows, but I know the God that does, and I can freely by faith walk with Him. Why? Not because I've earned it, deserved it, or done anything to catch His eye, but because of His grace and His mercy, and now by faith in Christ, I might freely know Him. God's infinite knowledge is infinitely intimate. He searches you and He knows you. He understands my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path by lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. Nothing is hid from the Lord. Everything. What a joy it is to know that God knows you in and out better than yourself. But if you're not living right, if you don't know Christ, if you're not in Christ, what a frightening and terrible thing it is. God sees your heart. And without Christ, it is condemned already. You must turn to Christ and live. He says in verse 4, There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. You and I have a problem where we think that God doesn't know our thoughts and doesn't care about what we speak, but God knew what we were going to think before we thought it and what we were going to say before we said it, and that does not give us a reason or an excuse to think what we want to think or say what we want to say. As a matter of fact, it gives all the more heat to go, Lord, control my thoughts, help my thoughts, purify my thoughts, because as a man thinks will be as a man lives. As a man thinks about God will be what he believes about God and how he lives for God or does not live for God. And so we must begin in the purity of our minds. We must think rightly about God. And the only way to do so is by looking to what He has revealed. And that should be enough. He knows you better than you could ever know yourself, yet He still loves you. He knows every thought, decision, word, action, motivation. God's knowledge is as well intimately and infinitely working in your life. Every situation is known by God. Therefore, in every situation, I ought to trust God. God knows. You and I use that simple phrase, God knows, oftentimes either one as a crutch or as something to tell someone, well, how, clearly you just don't have enough faith. Oh, sister, that's so terrible. God knows. He does, but it's much more than He's aware about it in His mind. He cares and knows in the very heart of God that He cares about your situation. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your heartaches. He cares about your concerns. He is acquainted with our grief and our sorrows. He cares. The omniscient and omniscience of God is always working for our good and for His glory. And this brings us conviction and comfort. We find that God is not like anyone else or anything else that has ever been worshipped. He is actually involved with His creation. God did not wind up a clock and let it run and just see what happens. God cares about every detail of your life. So we'll say, well, God doesn't care so much about this part of my life. Yes, He does. Well, God doesn't care about my money, where I spend, or my bills, or my house. He does. He absolutely cares because He absolutely knows. Nothing escapes His mind, and nothing enters your life without His omniscient knowledge. And as we talked about last week, God is big enough and powerful enough because He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and He's all-knowing. Therefore, you let me know about a problem in your life that God doesn't already know about. You let me know about a problem in your life that God can't handle. Let me know about a sin in your life that God can't conquer. 
Let me know about anything in your life that needs provision and God's help and God's strength that God is not able to provide for and know about. He knows your problem better than you know your problem. Because He's got the solution and He is the solution. God's knowledge is not only providentially perfect, but it is providentially personal. Because He knows about me, He cares about me. Psalm 139, verse 15 to 18. My substance was not hid from Thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! You and I are prideful people that think much of ourselves, and I want you to know that even God, who sees your very heart and motivation, thinks even more about you than you do. He thinks about you more than you ever think about you. And I think about me a lot. You think about you a lot. My thoughts about me aren't always precious. Your thoughts about you aren't always precious. Your thoughts about me aren't always precious. My thoughts about you are always precious. (laughs) But God cares. Have you ever thought that God thinks about you? He's busy doing infinite things right now in a moment. Right now, he's doing an infinite amount of things. Right now, right now, right now. All the while, he's thinking about you and me. I can't fathom that. However, just because I can't fathom it doesn't mean I can't trust it. It brings me great comfort to know the God who knows all things. God's omniscient knowledge is not just infinite and intimate, but we find here in verse 6, it is incomprehensible. I can't fathom its heights and its depths and its breadth and its width, but yet I can know this God that I can't fully understand. And if I could fully understand God, that'd make me like God, and I it wouldn't be worth serving. He wouldn't be God. Look at verse number 6. David's response to seeing the knowledge of God, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Right now, here's where you might be. You might be going, this is just overwhelming. Good it ought to be. But it should not leave you in despair. Rather, it should drive you to cry out to Him and trust and faith. God, I don't know, but You know. God, there's a need. I don't know how it will be provided, but You know. God, You know. And You care. Tell me what more could bring your heart joy or comfort. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. God's omniscient is too deep. It's too high. It's too long. It's too far. It's too wide for me to fathom. The weight of all that God knows would crush us. If all that God knows was placed upon my brain for a moment, my brain would collapse. God knows everything. And although we can't attain His knowledge, we can have His knowledge applied. You see, our flesh can only know fractions of information, but faith can know the fullness of God. Our flesh might be able to learn things about God, but the faith knows God. The flesh can learn facts about God. It can learn about what He's done and different things like that, but only faith can have it applied to our hearts 
where we can actually know and walk with this God. The Lord Jesus. Only by faith can we know and trust the incomprehensible. The Bible tells us about this. That we can know Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. It is God that reveals Himself to you. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to trust Him. It is for our good and for His glory. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's the work of the Spirit. He desires to do such that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of the, His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which wrought, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And I've put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. How about Colossians? Paul prays once more. He says in Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled, full, overflowing, with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You'll never understand God in your flesh. Faith knows God. The flesh knows about God. And we must know God by faith. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and ever. Amen. Let's rewrap this up. It is the knowledge of God that allows us to know and trust Him. It is His omniscience that allows me to know Him as I do today. The omniscience of God, as we see here in this psalm, it deserves my entire person, my entire being, and it deserves every ounce of praise I can give to Him. Romans tells us about this. One of my favorite passages in the Scriptures. Romans 11, Paul is sort of closing up shop on all this doctrine, and the way in which he does so is to praise God. You say, this is just a bunch of doctrine this morning, Pastor. Yes, it is, and that should cause our hearts to praise Him. You'll never live what you don't learn. And when I know that God is all-knowing, that means I will be able to trust Him more. Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been His counselor? Who hath first given to Him? It shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him, through Him, to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. My knowledge is nothing. Knowing about God will not save you, dear friend. You must know Him. Thomas Watson said, Knowledge without repentance will be but a torch to light men to hell. There are plenty of people on church pews who know all about God, but let me ask you, 
Do you know Him? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Do you know God? And if you do, why does your life look like the way it does right now? If we know God, our life would look totally different. And here's the issue. We know more about God than we tend to actually know Him. And the difference is because we know about Him in our flesh and we know little of Him by faith. And the only way to please Him is by faith. The only way to walk and to live this life, this Christian life, is by faith. Not in our faith, but in the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has bled and died for our sins, who has risen again, who has ascended to the throne, who is making intercession for us even now in this moment, praying for you, and will one day call His people out of here and one day rule and reign here forever and forever. Lastly, you say you said that already. I know. But this is for you this morning. This is for all of us. Proverbs 3 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. You say, I can't understand God. How can I know Him? Easy. Quit trusting in your understanding of God to know Him. Trust in His gracious revealing of Himself by faith and you shall know Him. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Why? He knows all the paths. He leads on the paths. He, he, as David put it in Psalm 139, verse 5, He's before me. He's behind me. I can trust Him. I can trust His knowledge of the path ahead. And I don't ever want to walk a path that God is not on and that God is not leading me to. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Boy, there's a problem we've got today. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Notice the order of these things. You're not going to depart from evil until you fear the Lord. You're not going to fear the Lord until you begin to see how, how wicked your own eyes are and how you have no knowledge. You must trust in Him with all your heart. It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That sounds good, doesn't it? You and I miss out on the abundant, victorious Christian life because we fail to simply trust God for who He is. I want to know God, not just know about Him. The great blessing of His omniscience is that we may freely know Him by faith. God gives us the knowledge to know Him. Let me ask you this. Do you know the God of all knowledge? Do you know that you know that you know? The God who has revealed Himself to us does not really give us a knowledge about Him. He gives a knowledge and assurance, a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Today, you might be looking at your life and going, He knows my thought. He knows my motivation. And those aren't always good. And if you're feeling that conviction today, that's a wonderful thing. That means God is working in your heart and is drawing you to Himself. Would you come, confess those things, ask Him for a clean mind, ask Him for a pure heart, Asking to search you and to know you as David does at the end of this psalm. Search me, O Lord. Know me. God will clean you up from the inside out where you can only clean you up from the outside in and you'll never reach the inside because you can't clean the outside too good either. But furthermore, dear believer, 
I would be a fool to think that everything in your life is going perfect right now. Because it's not in mine either. And the fact that God is omniscient brings my heart comfort. I can't trust my circumstances. I can't trust my emotions. I can't trust my heart. I can't even trust my motivation most of the time. But I can trust the God who knows all things. Let me ask you, what are you trusting today? If you have something that you've got to get right, would you come to this altar as we stand and we sing? Would you get this right with God? Would you put your trust in the God who knows all things? And whatever is your burden right now, would you give it to the God who knows all about it and cares all about it? Would you come today? Let's all stand. We'll sing. Hymn number 488. Would you come? Just as I am. Just as I am.